Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Oh, me, oh, my. Welcome to this podcast in which we talk to people who are creating independent music or documenting it or care about it in a deep way or have been profoundly influenced by this whole punk, hardcore, indie rock, metal community that we love so much. I am hanging out here because uh, I'm very excited to bring you today's guest. And this is a friend that is, I always like to say old friends, but then that sometimes means that like they're old. I guess technically he is old because I'm old. So anyways, Tepe Teranishi from Thrice. He plays guitar in the long running rock hardcore-ish hybrid. I don't know what you would even define Thrice at this point. I guess independent rock band. How about that? But um, I have now almost collected every single member of Thrice, which will be fun when I'm able to uh, track down Dustin. Honestly, there's nothing preventing me (laughs) from texting Dustin to be like, yo, come on the show, because he for sure will. But, uh, you know, I like to roll this out over a many-year process, because you can actually go back to the very, very first episode of this podcast, which... I might not encourage you to do because, you know, maybe not the best of listens, but uh, I had Riley from the band and uh, that was a fun chat some 10 odd years ago because we're like, you know, episode 540 something ish. But anyways, Tepe is a great chat and this is it's very funny because thrice prides themselves on being incredibly boring humans. (laughs) And I say that with a lot of love in my heart, but they, uh, you know, they're not like they're not filled with drama, like them as individual people, they are very uh, even keeled, very gentle, nice humans. And so when I texted Tepe to come on, he was like, dude, I'm going to be boring. <laughs> and I'm like, I, pro- I promise you won't. It'll be a nice chat. And uh, that's exactly what transpired. So yeah, that's what we got coming up. But I want to tell you a few things. First of all, I am going to be in Japan with my band Taken from March 1st to the 5th. So if you are in Japan and you listen to the podcast, first of all, thank you very much. And uh, come say hi. Come to the shows. Uh, I think only one is sold out as of right now, but it's us and Hope's Fall. We are, uh, I'm incredibly excited to play shows because I have not played a show since 2019. And that is uh, weird because I've played shows for most of my life. But anyways, going over to Japan, huge, huge shout out to Koba, who is the promoter extraordinaire over there. He plays in a band called Loyal to the Grave. Just one of the kindest humans I've ever met in my life. And uh, yeah, he's bringing us over there and we're playing with Hope's Fall. And it's going to be really exciting. Melodic hardcore at its finest. So that's what we got. You can always email the show 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I love to receive feedback or just general niceties. Or maybe if you're, you're mean, you want to be mean to me, you can totally do that. I don't necessarily respond well to that, but um, you get the point. 
You can also leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. I highly encourage you to do that. It lets the algorithms know that people are engaging with this content, and that obviously is an important thing for this podcast to get discovered. You can also do the same thing on Spotify, where you just leave a little star rating on your mobile application of Spotify, and it helps out tremendously. And shortly after I return from Japan, I am very excited to do my first ever live podcast here in the States at the LDB Fest in Louisville, Kentucky. You can you will be able to find a link to buy tickets because there's a few tickets left. It actually is it was sold out up until like a week ago and they got a few more added and blah blah blah. But I'm very excited to be going there, having some chats with people who are playing the festival. I'll announce that as it comes closer. But um yeah, buy tickets to the festival. If you live anywhere in the Midwest or the West Coast or the East Coast for that matter, go to LDB Fest because I, I've never attended personally and I'm really, really excited because uh, they've built something special. 10 years they've been doing this fest and it has reached what I would say a crescendo of excitement. This thing is going to go off in a really, really major way. So that is all the, uh, the stuff that I wanted to let you know about. But um, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk to Tepe. And actually, last thing before we dive into the interview with Tepe, this episode is sponsored by Iodine Recordings. And their 30th anniversary reissue of one of my favorite records of all time, Quicksand's Slip. It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. They have lovingly put a lot of effort into remastering the thing, repackaging it, and there's this unbelievable deluxe book. We're talking like a, gosh, I don't even remember how many pages it is, 64 pages? That sounds about right. 64 pages where there's liner notes extraordinaire, and I cannot wait to get my hands on this thing because it's nice and thick and, oh my gosh. But yes, Iden Recordings is an amazing record label. You need to check out so much cool stuff that they have going on. They reissued Stretch Armstrong's Rituals of Life. They have also done some really, really cool stuff around other bands that they released back in the day. There's a band called Orange Island that was really good, and some new up-and-coming bands, like a band called Her Heads on Fire, members of Garrison. They just have a lot of cool stuff, and I'm really excited because I love Iodine Recordings. So check out Iodine Recordings on the webs. You can follow them on Instagram, or you can find a link in the show notes where you can check out what they have going on especially the quicksand 30th anniversary reissue of slip. Now here's the discussion with Tepe. Clearly thrice runs deep in my DNA and, uh, my interactions with you, I was trying to reflect on like when we first started to, you know, meet and hang out and play shows together and stuff like that. I, it, it was always interesting because, uh, I mean, obviously all of the members of Thrice are, you know, absolute weirdos in their own right. Um, <laughs> and you got, you in particular, I, I found really interesting because you were always, and I'm sure this hasn't, or this has been echoed to you in many respects. Like you were the, you know, sort of quiet, introspective guy. <laughs> the, the, the quiet guy in the group. Um, but then it, every discussion that you and I did have and every interaction we did have was always, in my mind, uh, very deep, meaningful, and just like a, a, it was more than the surface level. It was like, you were always like, Bray, tell me about you. Like It, it was just that very genuine curiosity. And I'm going to guess, like, because that that you've been that way for as long as I've known you. Has that always kind of been your gear, so to speak? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been the quiet kid. Like, yeah, in school, I feel like people were always like, "Oh, I thought you were a jerk because you just didn't talk to people." But, um, you know, I was just quiet. I just kind of doing my own thing, right? <laughs> do you, do you think that's a symptom of the cuz I, I correct me if i'm wrong you are an only child correct or no correct yeah right and i i know that you and i connected on that because we both are you know can keep each other occupied as only children do you think that's a symptom of the i guess only childness or is that something else um 
I, I'm sure that that adds to it, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think I'm an introvert just by nature. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely was an only child and uh, spent a lot of time just on my own, um, not needing to talk to anybody. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that plays into it, you know. Yeah, I'm like I. Th- I think it, for me, I'm okay with silence, which I think most people aren't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I get there's awkward silence, but for me, it's usually not that awkward. I'm like, okay with it for some reason. Right. You're like, oh, finally, there's a yeah. moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that there, I do. I mean, granted, you and I are coloring from the experience of being an only child, but there is a beauty in that idea of being able to occupy yourself within whatever context you're in, whether it's, you know, as an adult or as a kid where you're creating these whole different worlds, or I always joke around my example of an only weird, only child experience is like playing Monopoly by yourself and playing against other fictional characters. Cause that's what oh, I wow, did. Okay. Yeah. I, but to your point, but to your point of just that idea that like you are comfortable in yourself. So those awkward silences that other people may feel maybe just aren't there for you because you're just like, that's fine. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know, obviously, born and raised in Orange County, where did you actually live from a city perspective? Was it always Irvine and that general vicinity? Mm, Well, I was actually born in San Luis Obispo. Okay. Uh, My parents were going to Cal Poly up there um, when I was born. And then I I spent a couple years in Santa Barbara, and then it was uh in LA so Torrance and Gardena um and then I th- what was it fourth grade was when I moved to Irvine okay yeah and were your uh w- were the moves that were happening because your parents were following jobs and then that's what ultimately led them to Irvine honestly I don't know yeah that's fine um I I think yeah, I think it was like kind of the safety thing and they they saw that it was a good place to raise a kid and um yeah. Yeah. And the, I I didn't know about the uh Santa Barbara uh experience as it were. I mean, granted I'm sure you were you were young like you were talking about. Uh do you have any uh, I, I guess memory pre uh, Irvine like living in LA and Santa Barbara? I definitely remember LA. Um Santa Barbara, not so much. I have like really vague, scattered memories. Um, yeah, I was I was little. I was probably like three or four. Sure. Was the was the move from LA to uh, Irvine? Did you feel that was disruptive? Because I know that moves when you're no matter how far they are, like even when you're moving schools, like oh, I'm away from my friends and that sort of stuff. Were you? okay with it or were you bummed because you had to leave your friend group in LA? Um, I don't remember caring all too much. Uh, yeah, for better or for worse. I, I, I think one of my traits is that I just kind of go along. <laughs> go with the flow. Sure. And, uh, I don't remember putting up a stink or anything. I just, yeah, I just remember moving. I remember it, it was a, kind of a culture shock though, because Irvine back then was really different. Um, it was, you know, not, it was probably like a, a tenth of how it's built out now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a bunch of uh, farms, really, like orange groves and small and farms. And so I remember coming from LA, I was like, what the heck? Where am I? <laughs> like, where do we right. <laughs> That's That's true. It, it almost was probably the feeling of, moving to, you know, a uh, rural area, even though Irvine, yes, it is rural at that time, but like no one would ever look at it now and be like, oh, that was rural at one point. Yeah, but it it really was. I would say like on the cusp of being rural, I would would say back then, yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, I know your family structure, like mom and dad in the house and like we were talking about only child. Um, Were you, um, because I I presume that were both your parents working as you were going through elementary school? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Were you kind of that, uh, I guess, latchkey kid? Like you were, you know, I mean, your parents were there taking care of you, but th- a lot of stuff you had kind of maybe had to figure out on your own? Oh, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we, my wife and I talk about this all the time because uh, she was kind of the same way. She was an only child, but, you know, she, she kind of grew up similar in that sense. And uh, just how, how different it is for our kids right now. Right. But, um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I used to go to like an after school program when I was in elementary school, but I think, uh, I want to say maybe from like sixth grade on, I was just kind of on my own. Like I would finish school, come home and just do my own thing. Like I remember cooking myself like food when I got home. Right. You know, like, uh, and I would just go romp around the neighborhood and Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just like, all right, cool. I got my, uh, you know, Peter and jelly sandwich. I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to go out and, you know, whatever, ride bikes and do that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, I'll come back for dinner. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No cell phones. No, you know, like <laughs> right. you just be out there and your, your parents would trust that you would come home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, we, we know where you live. Like we know that, you know, our address, like that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, did you, as you started to you know, develop some sort of likes, dislikes, and identity. I mean, that definitely happens later elementary and, you know, junior high. Were you gravitating towards, you know, sports? Did you care about your studies? Like, what did you find yourself kind of looking towards? Hmm. I, I definitely didn't play sports. Um, fun fact, I actually played my first uh, organized sport anything last night dude that's like <laughs> yeah, yeah that's incredible at the age of 42 yeah what'd you play uh, so dustin of all people convinced me to join this like adult co-ed soccer league <laughs> oh nice and uh yeah so um we played a game last night and that was like my literally my first experience with that which is wild that is yeah that is insane if you uh, yeah, like you never playing little league or anything like that, and yeah, that, that's amazing. Did you? I guess did you enjoy it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. No, it was fun. It was. Fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a soccer fan, uh, and my, all my all three of my kids play, uh, and so I'm around it a lot. So it was actually fun to be on the other side of it for once. You know. <laughs> yeah, you're like I'm not just a observer. And, uh, yeah, I can actually like kick the ball as opposed to encouraging my children to kick the ball. Well, at least try. I mean, so that's the <laughs> thing, right? Is like, it, it looks a lot different. Like, you, you know, what's supposed to happen yep. as like a fan of the sport and have be, having been around it so much with my kids, like I understand what's supposed to happen and what you're supposed to do, but knowing what you're supposed to do and actually physically being able to do it is two very, very different things. <laughs> uh, I learned right. that very quickly. Yeah. Right. Like this is, uh, you know, it's like the idea of never playing a sport and then just playing it via video games. And you're just like, why can't you do a bicycle kick? Like, this yeah. is weird. <laughs> it, it was humbling. It was good. Right. That's good. And so, so you didn't do sports. Like, did you care about school? Were you getting, um, cause I mean, I know the stereotype obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh-huh. Asian cultures, like, okay, here we go. You got to care about school. Um, my parents we're kind of hippies in that sense. They, <laughs> um, my mom was actually a teacher, well, on and off, but yeah, she, you know, so she, she cared about education, but she, I grew up with her actually telling me like grades that don't really matter. Uh, you know, as long as you're actually learning something and that you're finding things that you're curious and interested in, then, then that's what's important. Um, so I think in that sense, I was really lucky. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really have a, a big focus on school. Uh, didn't play sports, honestly, dude. Just playing <laughs> and like yep. hanging out with friends. And um, I think it was uh, just before middle school, so just before seventh grade, that I I discovered skateboarding. And as soon as I found that, I mean that that was I was one hundred percent skateboarding twenty four seven. That's all I thought about. Right. I love I love when that. And I'm sure even though your parents, like, I guess, how did they react to skateboarding as you started to get into it? Just because they probably, you know, whatever, knew about it from a pop culture perspective. But were they reticent in you kind of picking up a skateboard and rolling around? Or are they cool with it? No, they were totally cool with it. That's um, cool. Yeah, I think they probably probably were like, hey, Tepe found something to do, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, this this kids is kind of just you know hanging around like oh it's now he's passionate about something yeah yeah the uh, 
so I, I guess on that top, like, was that more so like junior highs when you really started to dive into that full throated? Yeah. If, if I, if I remember correctly, yeah, I think it was like the summer going into seventh grade is when I kind of found it and started going pretty hard with it. Got it. Was the hope also like, I mean, once you started to experience it more and, you know, did you, cause correct me if I'm wrong, but like you, you actually like, you know, competed in competitions and like you were kind of maybe trying to go for it from a pro perspective or am I like misreading that completely? Um, no, no, I didn't, I didn't do any competitions or anything. Okay. Like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I was, I was very serious about it. Um, I mean, if you asked me back then, if I was going to go pro, I would have probably told you I'm going to try. Sure. Um, but you know, I mean, the reality of that, I kind of hit pretty quickly, <laughs> but, but I mean, I was very serious about it. You know, that that's, like I said, that's seriously all I cared about or thought about or did for a long time. So. Right. I presume you were diving deep into, uh, you know, the, the video magazines and, uh, skate magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Former ones, uh, trans world thrasher. Like I, I had them all. That's awesome. Yeah. I think too, I mean, just cause you and I are the same age, like I, I never was uh, good at skateboarding, but I worship the culture. And I think that was so, uh, such a portal into not only a community, but just an understanding all of the, uh, you know, aesthetics and fashion and style. Like there was so much wrapped up into it, even though you were just like, Oh, I just like skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed and I talked cause you know, Ed, Ed was an avid skateboarder as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talk about it a lot, like how, how much that culture influenced us and especially even our music tastes. Um, you know, I think, uh, I could probably credit skateboarding for, for my discovery of punk rock. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, it definitely shaped and molded, uh, my tastes and my, my culture and my life a lot. Wait, you mean to tell me you like band merch? and you like supporting bands? Well, look no further than our awesome friends at rockabilia.com and use this code 100 words or less for 10% off your entire order. I don't care if you're into Metallica, Blink, or ACDC, Grateful Dead, Motley Crue. They have everything you could shake a stick at, and it's all officially licensed. The band gets paid. It ships from the Midwest here in the United States of America, and they get it out to you lickety-split. Customer service is top-notch. This thing this business has been operating for over 20 years so they know exactly what they're doing and is co-owned by a hardcore kid so i co-sign it all over the place but go to rockabilly.com buy some stuff for your friends your family yourself so much cool stuff and use the code 100 words or less 10 percent off your order and enjoy this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. we all want more time in our lives you know whether it's like Dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that for one, really matter to you and two, try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you and they can be suited to your schedule and You fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist, and if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray as you started to, you know, go into high school and apologies for playing a little armchair psychologist here, but, um, you definitely always struck me as like a, a head in the cloud sort of person. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but just in a like, Oh yeah, Tepe is just thinking about his own thing. Um, was, was that 
kind of true? Did like people uh, say that about you, or is that again just a misrepresentation that I was <laughs> placing on you? No, I think I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I was just always kind of the quiet kid, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right, you weren't you weren't going into the uh, the the party per se. I mean, first of all, you were probably not going to many parties, and then second of all, not being that guy that's like, oh, here's here's Tepe. He's gonna be the you know loud loud party dude with the uh, lampshade in his head or whatever. Yeah, I'd say the exact opposite of that. Yeah. You're right, sneaking in the back, saying hi. Leave it, leave it with, without saying goodbye. <laughs> I think I think my ammo was always to just be noticed as least as possible. <laughs> right. Um, and w- when you started to experience the you know skate community and going to skate parks and stuff like that, uh, did you feel, I, I guess, like welcome and find your crew, uh, or was that also kind of a solitary practice that you were excited to participate in? No, I definitely had my crew. Um, I can't recall exactly how but you know i mean skateboarding especially at that time was was really small Um, Mm -hmm. it was definitely like a you know kind of a counter-cultural thing i guess but like you know it especially in irvine if you skateboarded you you knew that person whether they went to your school or not um and so yeah it was definitely like a small and kind of tight community and uh i definitely found my people within skateboarding um yeah, and it was different than like there weren't really skate parks or anything like that. So you know, you would just, I guess you would just see other kids skating, and you'd be like, "Hey, you skate too? Oh, cool!" You know, and then that would just be a thing. So, right, yeah, it's like, oh, let's, you, you know, where a good spot is. Like, oh, here's a great parking lot. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, and, and like you said, the introduction of skateboarding and opening your world up uh, helped music, and I know so many people found uh, the subculture even more through, you know, Thrasher and music videos and all that sort of stuff. What were, I guess, your, the, the bands that started to capture you at the very beginning where it was like, oh, this, this sounds weird and different. And I, I never heard this on the radio. What, uh, what kind of grabbed you? Um, I don't know. It, I guess it'd just be like, I'm trying to think of what skate videos I was watching at that time. Sure. Yeah. So you're like, was it welcome to hell or was it? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It was definitely before that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like early plan B videos. So like, let's see, er, super early green day. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, green day was like one of my favorite bands back in that time. Uh, Beastie boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pennywise. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally anything that was in the skate videos, that's what I wanted to listen to. Right. And how did, how did you start to, I guess, discover that, like, you could, you know, like, buy that music and, you know, finding out more about how you can dive deeper into that side of things? Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess it was just kind of in the culture. So, like, huh, I'm trying to, like, dig up memories that I haven't really thought about. Um, totally. And I ha- honestly, dude, I have the worst memory possible. I know, I know you do, so it's okay. I, I know, <laughs> I know you were like, uh, "Wait, you're asking me to remember like last week, let alone twenty, thirty years ago." Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I I think it was just you start to get to listen to punk, and then you realize, oh, there's there's shows that I can go to, and it's like an accessible thing, um, you know, locally. So I just I remember we went to shows a lot. Uh, think what was it? No effects, and I think it was DI. Oh, okay, played at UCI. Uh, I don't think it was the Bren Center. Okay, somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, it would see, it would seem pretty weird if that was like in the basketball stadium. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It definitely wasn't. But it was. It was like kind of a bigger show because No Effects was really big back then. I guess they mm-hmm. still are probably right. Um, but anyway, so that that was like my first show I went to. And uh, I went with some of my friends that skated. Amazing. Yeah. Were, uh, as you started to kind of witness that subculture in full bloom, so to speak, what uh, was it, I guess, the energy? Was it like the musicianship? I mean, even though arguably, obviously, punk is, you know, trying to not be a musician. <laughs> but yeah, like what, what kind of drew you in? Um. I don't know. 
I I guess um yeah, I guess it was kind of the energy, the the like I don't know, it felt it felt like not mainstream, you know what I mean? Like it felt a little different. Yep. Uh which I I guess I thought was cool. Um and yeah, I, I think maybe just the accessibility to it. You know, like I said, there were shows happening all around me that I didn't know about. And I was like, oh, wait, this is a whole world that that exists that I didn't know that I can be a part of. Um, and so, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you're I mean, like, I, I can plug in. Yeah, I can plug in. And I was already, you know, obviously, like I was into music. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at that point, I had already been playing guitar as well. So, you know, I felt a connection to the music. And I guess having having a scene or you know whatever that's happening so close and so accessible that um you can just kind of plug into i thought i think just really drew me in sure and uh on that idea that you had a guitar already and you were seeing some of these bands that felt probably more attainable than what you had maybe witnessed in the past where it's like oh i'm clearly never going to be in like u2 or something like that um had you wanted to play in a band ever since you kind of picked up guitar or was that like a gradual realization where it's like, Oh, I can do this. Um, uh, probably the latter. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so when I first started playing guitar, like I was super in like, so this was probably what, like fifth, sixth grade or something like that. Mm -hmm. I was super into, to just like metal. (laughs) Right. Um, so like Metallica, uh, I don't know. I would stay up late and watch like Headbangers Ball, so that was kind of my thing. Um, and I don't know where I'm going with this. No, it's okay. You were you got into metal, and then it started to like. I mean, watching a band like you know Metallica or watching Headbangers Ball, like all that stuff is so larger than life. You yes, probably yeah, felt exactly. So yeah, and then and then you you know punk comes around, and it's like I keep saying, there's shows happening all around you that. The people are like right there on stage. They don't seem like these giant, you know, otherworldly creatures. They're just these normal people. Um, and so, yeah, I think maybe just kind of seeing that makes you start being like, oh, maybe this is something I can do. Like if I wanted to start a band, I, you know, this is something I could do. Right. And I, I always, I really like that transition that people, you know, most kids go through where it feels close to you as opposed to like you said just this really far off thing and then the moment that you see something that you're like oh i could probably do some version of that that's when it's like you know all bets are off at that point yeah totally it's funny i've, I've actually never really thought about it from this angle before yeah well that's that's what we do here you know we explore all sides of your brain tepe oh, yeah. <laughs> um and so i know that you essentially and correct me if i'm wrong because obviously the internet is usually wrong i never knew about chapter 11 so that 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 first of all i can already close my eyes and picture what the band sounds like like which is amazing every first band name needs to have that um but that was that was you and ed right no so that well that was you and dustin right well yeah so chapter 11 was i actually think it was that was thrice Okay. So that was that was just one of the names we were tossing around when we were thinking about starting the band. Okay. Um, but I think what you're referring to is Dustin and I had a band for like a hot second uh, before Thrice with two of our other friends called uh, Out of Step. Oh, beautiful! I hear I, I already hear that in my brain too. Well, no, it didn't sound like Minor Threat. I wish. Right. It did. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't. I think. I don't think we. Well, maybe we did. I think maybe we have like one, one or two maybe originals. Maybe okay. Uh, I don't even know if we did. We played <laughs> one show, which was in a parking lot of like a coffee bar or something like that somewhere in Irvine. Amazing. Uh, and we did like a Blink One Eighty Two cover, <laughs> as as you do. And uh, I don't even know what we played. Honestly, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, I love. I uh, Dustin didn't sing. Dustin was not singing. <laughs> that's incredible. Like one song. Sure. I, play- I think he was playing bass as well. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that being your first uh, foray into playing a show was that, especially as an introvert, there's that idea that it's 
terrifying for even extroverts to go up on stage. So like, were you, uh, were you nervous? Was it exciting? Was it a combination of both? I'm guessing. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. Yeah. Do you, and I guess on that same topic, like how do you, I mean, you clearly have been going on stage and playing in front of a lot of people for a decent amount of time. Is there any nerves about you anymore? Or do you feel like it kind of goes into a different zone for you? No, not really. It hasn't been for a long time, I think. Um, I don't know. That's just one of the like great paradoxes of my life. Like, If you told me to go up in front of like 20 people and make a speech, I would be terrified. But somehow... <laughs> I can do that. I don't know. I have no idea why. Right. I mean, honestly, just as a outside observer of watching you play an innumerable amount of shows over the time that I've watched you, it, it, it seems like, especially because arguably, like all of you guys are, are introverts. Yeah, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think that's fair to say. Right. But it's like you guys, you guys are able to do that as a collective unit because you all know that there's that like level of uncomfortableness. And then you're all just kind of like, doing your own thing but then you can kind of come all together so i don't know again just be as an outside yeah. observer yeah yeah uh so a- as you started to you know get into this even probably weirder subculture how were your parents kind of reacting to it or were they again just kind of excited that you were finding something you were passionate about and playing guitar and you know going to shows and stuff um my dad was kind of more of the music fan i would say and uh, he's the one that, you know, had a guitar in the house. And that's why I started playing guitar. Um, but he definitely was like, what the heck is this crap you're listening to? Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, he was like, this sucks. <laughs> but I mean, you know, to their credit, like they they let me do my own thing. Like he would give me his opinion and be like, this is horrible. But whatever, if it's your thing, that's cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, It's like, it's, it's terrible, Tepe, but it's your thing. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Did you ever, I'm, I know some kids experience this where they felt like they were able to either show a band or show something to their parents to try to help them understand it. Did you ever try to do not even like a presentation or anything, but be like, Oh, okay, maybe I can show them like this really, you know, they'll get you no use for a name or something like that. Did you ever try anything like that? Uh, I don't think so. I, um, I think if anything, it was the other way around. Um, I guess this was like pre-punk, but I do remember like when I started getting into metal, like Metallica, my dad was like, oh, you like this? Well, here's Led Zeppelin, (laughs) you know? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, like here's Led Zeppelin 1. Like this was maybe the very beginning of heavy metal. Like you might like this. And I was like, nah, it's not heavy enough. Um, There's no chugging, you know? Right, totally. No, I don't know. I mean, I think, I'm trying to think. I think he he was all right with Green Day. Cause that, you know, like those are great songs. I think absolutely undeniably great songs. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I, I, the reason I bring that up is cause it just triggered a memory. I remember showing my mom Elliot cause oh, I was yeah, like, okay. yeah. I was like, dude, she's going to get this. And she listens to it and she's just like, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm like, well, fair. I, 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 yeah, I understand this is still kind of weird music, even though it's like beautiful and super melodic. Right. Yeah. So uh, was there, I guess, like a career path for you in regards to like, you know, were you going to pursue, you know, being a teacher like your mother or, you know, what your father's career was? Was there any, you know, kind of pointing you in that direction or was it very much open for whatever you wanted to do? Um, No, it was definitely open and I had absolutely no idea. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I graduated from high school, didn't really have like any plan for college or aspirations, to be honest. Um, I was just going to OCC, the community college here. Yep. And, um, you know, I mean, I vaguely like, I liked art and I liked music. And so I was, I was kind of taking some art classes and some music classes and not having a clear idea of what I wanted to do with either, if any. Um, so, yeah. I remember that's right I forgot you did uh, you did that like recording class at OCC right Yes I did you did that's dude that's where I met Nick That it that's totally I, I that just triggered a memory cuz I remember yeah. going in and being like oh it's like oh yeah that's cool yeah. <laughs> That's so funny yeah So I imagine that was like 
the the type of classes that you were doing where it's like okay like music production music industry adjacent i could probably do something like this yeah 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 so yeah the class that nick and i had had together i think was like i think i think it was called live sound reinforcement or something like that (laughs) but it was actually recording uh-huh. Wait, didn't didn't you guys come in and do a recording? I, I now that you say that, I was like, I'm fairly certain Nick volunteered us, and I'm yeah. fairly, I, I, but I cannot recall what we actually did or like if it. I mean, it was to tape, undoubtedly, because that's what you guys were, or that's what we were recording on at that time. But probably, I. I so funny. Warren Taken came in, yeah, but you know, yeah. I I missed that class. I was I wasn't there for some reason. <laughs> so funny, like the one class you would have maybe enjoyed. You're like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm missing that one. <laughs> um, so okay, that that was the kind of the 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 maybe path that you were so looking to go on, but not not a real clear idea of where you wanted to head. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, hit the the thrice biography beat by beat because that's been done many other places. But, you know, as you guys obviously started to play shows, something that I always not only respected, but found very interesting was that you guys were, um, you know, you were clearly playing shows and playing with all different types of bands and bands that, you know, you arguably shouldn't have been playing with because people were just being straight up mean to you guys and be like, ooh, this is a crappy pop punk band or whatever. Um <laughs> It seemed like that was your, whether it was spoken about between all of you guys or whether it was just kind of by default, you just were like, well, we're not necessarily part of any one scene. We're just kind of playing amidst all of them. Um, Do you think that was just kind of the function of what music you guys were writing? Or was that just basically because that was what was available? I'd say both. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we joke about it all all the time, but like we we never fit in anywhere. Right. You know, especially back then, like, yeah, like you were saying, we were too heavy for the pop punk shows and we were way too melodic for the hardcore shows, but there wasn't really much between in between. And so we would play either or, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it felt because of that too, like once there was an attraction to your guys's music, as you started to, you know, sign to hopeless. And I mean, I'll, I'll, there's just so many random moments that I remember about the earlier days. Like I remember the, you know, Virgin Megastore at Triangle Square, like just, it's like, Oh, there's like 800 people that showed up. It was like, what the hell? This is crazy. Like, but because of that, I think it brought more people in because you guys didn't, you know, adhere to being like, Oh yes, we are just playing to, you know, the pop punk scene or the hardcore scene specifically. Yeah. I mean, I, I think and I mean, we didn't really have any foresight about it. We were just doing what we could, taking whatever shows we can take, you know. Um, but I mean, I think, yeah, in, in the end, I think that was, it benefited us a lot. Um, and I kind of like the fact that we never really like adhered to one scene or anything, you know, we just were kind of just floating through all of it. Listen, I got a secret for you. Go to evilgreed.net and use this promo code 100 words. You're probably asking yourself, what is evil greed? They are an amazing web store solution company based out of Berlin, Germany. But maybe that sounds a little complicated. What do they do? They sell merch from some of your favorite bands. And when I say some of your favorite bands, I'm talking about labels like Triple B, Southern Lord, Sergeant House. They have so much cool stuff. Like right now, I'll just give you a random example. They have a limited edition LP, Evil Greed exclusive pressing of the new Frozen Soul record called Glacial Domination, which if you are not keyed into Frozen Soul, one of the awesomest, awesomest, that's probably a word, right? Awesomest bands from the metal scene based out of Texas, but use that promo code, 100 words. Even though they are based in Germany, their shipping is very reasonable and it gets to you very fast. So Evil Greed acts kind of like a record label where they collect a very select handful of bands and record labels to work with and then they ship it to you directly it's so so cool i love evil greed and use the promo code 100 words and find some amazing stuff for you and your friends discover betmgm the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for non-stop action all winter long take the excitement of football basketball and hockey to the next level with same game parlays exclusive signature bets odds boost promos and much more 
Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For you as the band, it doesn't even have to be like when the band was, um, you know, playing house of blues and selling it out or something like that. Uh, when did you kind of start to feel that there was either attention or momentum or something that was like, Oh wow. Like, I guess what we are doing is resonating with people. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've said this before, but like, especially with this band, I feel like there was so many different little steps that happened that I was like, Oh wow. Like, I feel like we made it now, you know, like, of course, even, even so much as like when we played our first show at chain reaction, like to, I was like, Holy smokes, we did it. <laughs> right. We're done. Yeah. We're it. Done. Like I could, we could have been done there and I would have been like, we did it. <laughs> um, and so there, there were so many small moments like that, that it's hard to pin down. But I mean, um, and honestly, those it, to me, those are the, like that's I guess kind of specifically what I'm talking about. Like usually in those like earlier year, it doesn't even have to be like the you know the dawn of the band, but just like those moments where okay, a friend is like singing along to our songs, or like you know I go out to like the local mall and someone's like, oh, what's up, Tepe? You're like, I don't know that person or whatever. It's like those moments are the ones that are just like weird. This is bigger than I thought it was ever going to be. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> A lot of micro moments like that, you know, I guess like honestly, like selling, you know, playing our first chain show, uh, I guess signing to hopeless subsidy, whatever, um, mm-hmm. going and, re- you know, recording our first album. Like when we first recorded identity crisis with Paul Miner at for the record, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> totally. This is insane. Like we're in a real studio, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. Even before that, like we put out an EP after being together for like literally three months. And that was the first time I'd ever recorded music or heard what I've done like on in like a listen backable format, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was a huge deal. Uh, you know, selling out Anaheim House of Blues was a big deal. Uh and then obviously like signing the island, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, it's every, like, there's so many, <laughs> yeah. Every little step, you know, every little thing along the way, it was like, wow, <laughs> that's really cool. Right. And it, especially too, cause I, I know that, uh, the word it, it's definitely very difficult to remove ego from the art that you create, you know, unless it's like very intentional where it's like, I can't wrap up my identity in this because I know that this, once I release art in the world, like it's not mine anymore, but like you guys have never obviously been about the, uh, you know, you're the sum of its parts as opposed to like, Oh, look at, look at Tepe, the, you know, guitar shredder. He's going to be like Steve Vai of the, you know, hardcore punk scene or whatever. Um, I, I think probably because of that, it made you, it, I guess it was easier to maybe appreciate those moments because it was like, Oh yeah, this isn't about me. This is about the band or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, it, and genuinely like we, we never meant for this to go as far. Right. Um, you know, obviously, obviously like you, you hope and it's like, you can dream about it, but we didn't expect anything, I think. Um, and so every, like I said, every little like mini victory along the way was like, we really appreciated, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And something I also found interesting about you just kind of, collectively is the fact that your your creative output within thrice has always been contained to that like you know i mean clearly every every one of your band members has done some sort of side project uh from a musical perspective i mean obviously there's been other projects that you've been a part of but you know you haven't uh done that per se is there is there any i guess reason in your head that you've never sort of stepped out and expressed that i mean i know you've done 
smaller projects and what have you. But um, has that been something you've reflected on? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I've done like one small thing with a buddy that like is our buddy, Chris, you know, Chris, right? Chris Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was our guitar tech for a few years and uh, we just wrote some songs in the back of the tour bus one tour and they were all just, you know, just kind of fun, like super lighthearted songs that we came home and recorded. But that's really the only thing I've done, I think. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I've always had so many other interests too. And, you know, playing in a band and doing music is my entire life and it takes up all my time. So in my spare time, I think I I just, I like to do other things, I guess. Um, right. It's like, yeah. I'm already expressing myself this way. Like, you know, why, why do I need to continue like to do that when I can do, like you said, all these other things? Yeah. And I mean, not necessarily like why, why would, I mean, it, I think it'd be fun. You know, I think it'd be fun to do some other music and, uh, you know, express musically like in different ways but um i don't know i i guess actions speak louder than words like <laughs> my, uh, sure my my priorities i guess or you know what i want to actually do in my other time is is other stuff i don't know yeah no absolutely and i'm sure it was uh like kind of going back to you know your passion for skating i know you uh worked at a uh active ride board shop and i know that you are uh you know, a part of uh, that whole community just because it was, you know, a, a movement, I would say within Southern California, you know, skate retail, it was quite a thing. Uh, was that, uh, was that fun where you were able to, you know, obviously get people that I'm sure walked in the shop and were like, Oh, Tepe, like I saw you guys just, you know, recently, like, was that a, uh, a fun interaction or did you start to get kind of like, okay guys, like, you know, this is, this is kind of weird. Like I'm just working here. No, we never really, I mean, by the time we were actually like pretty active and touring and stuff, I wasn't working there anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I ever really got that. That's cool. That's good. The, um, something I know that, I mean, you've articulated in other, uh, places in regards to the shift away. I mean, once you moved up to Washington and obviously started your, uh, you know, leatherworks business and, the idea of stepping away from something that you had been a part of for so long. And then also the idea of like starting a business while also, you know, existing as a father figure and, uh, and husband, did you, um, you know, I, I guess like, did it get not dark per se, but did it get <laughs> overwhelming where you're just like, Holy crap, this is too much change in a short period of time. Or does it go back to kind of your nature of a person was like, well, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow and see what comes of this. Yeah, I mean, I think a little of both. I mean, it it's impossible not to be scared. I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, it like you said, you know, we've been doing the music thing and and playing in a band for our entire adult lives at that point, and I had nothing else. <laughs> and sure, I had, and I had a family to raise, and you know, whatever. So, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So, yeah, I mean, in that in that light, it was it was definitely scary, but I think my sort of like go with the flowness helped me get through that without panicking too much at all. <laughs> right. You're like, I will be able to figure this out in one way or another. Uh, even if it comes to me, you know, playing my guitar on the street, like busking or whatever, I'll yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing is like, I knew I could always turn to music, right? Like I could, um, like the, the other kind of main thing that I thought I could maybe fall back on was, was recording. Um, because I'd recorded a, a couple of Thrice's records at that point and, uh, had been asked, mm -hmm. you know, by bands and stuff in the past to, to produce or record records and stuff. And, um, so that was always kind of in the back of my mind. Like I can always kind of try and fall back on that and see if I can pursue that. Uh, you know, touring was always an option, like trying to just find like a touring gig or like, uh, even teching. Um, sure. So I, I felt like I had kind of a plan B with, with that. Um, but at the same time, again, like I've, I've had a lot of different interests in my life and, you know, I've only had the chance to focus on one thing. And so I took that 
hiatus as a chance to try something different for once, um, which is what I did. Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, flipping the page and being like, oh, cool. Like, you know, as cheesy or hyperbolic as it sounds, it's like the future is unwritten. Like I can do something different. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The something that I've always found interesting about you as a guitar player is that it's a real thin line of people, you know, sort of like slobbering over your pedals and your gear and your technicality because, I mean, you know, frankly, people do do that for you and look up to you as a guitar player, but you've never, you know, I guess put yourself out there to the point where it's just like, all right, like I am that authority, (laughs) you know? And uh, was that kind of always like the, the equipment and the experimentation and the stuff that you were bringing towards the band, was that always just something that you were, you know, looking for a way to express yourself? Uh, or was it a matter of just like, I, I want to stay away from like that side of things without obviously disrespecting them, but that's just not something I'm interested in. What? Like just like the, the yeah, like, gear or like totally just like the, about this or that. Right. Like, you know, the, the because it, it does seem to me that you have balanced the idea that like, oh, I'm this, you know, virtuosic guitar player and I'm just like a guy in a band. Like there's that middle ground, I think that you've been able to carve out where it's like, oh yeah, like I'm proud of my work, but I'm not, you know, like I guess up my own butt, so to speak with that. I mean, I, I just don't think I am. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I truly, truly. And I, I know people might like roll their eyes at me when I say this, but like I'd, Sure, I, I I think I do what I do for my own band like well. I, I'm you know that's cool. But as far as like a guitar player, I don't think I'm I'm not that great of a guitar player. Like technically not great. Uh, you know, there's like a million kids on Instagram nowadays that they're far more talented and technically uh, capable than I am. Um, millions, right? And so and and I've 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 never felt like I sh- could or sh- should be the authority on anything really. I don't know. <laughs> Was And I, I'm sure I'm actually reflecting on the idea. Like, you know, I mean, once you guys, you know, signed to Island and went through like the, you know, media training and PR and stuff like that, just the idea that you had to speak about yourself or, I mean, just like we're doing right now. I mean, clearly we're friends, so this isn't like a, you know, huge press hit or whatever, but just that idea of like going through these things and being comfortable talking about yourself. Was that a difficult like transition to be like, Oh, I guess I have to do a little bit of this in order to, you know, play the game. Or were you like, I'm just terrible at it. I don't really need to do that much. Um, both. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah, I, it, it still is a struggle. Honestly, I, I, I don't like talking about myself. <laughs> I don't like talking in general, to be honest. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know, I have accepted it as like, you know, this is part of the job, like it or not. And um, yeah, just try to make the best of it, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, listen, I guess people are interested in me. So like, I guess I'll have these conversations. We'll see where they go. But yeah, like, well, <laughs> You'll, I'm sure you had the experience too, where you like were turning back the interview, like you were asking the interviewer questions and it's like, this isn't about me. This is about you, Tepe. Just hold on for a moment. <laughs> no, we've, we've never been uh, great with press or anything. I mean, we've literally had publications turn down stories on us because we we're too quote unquote boring. I mean, like it's right. a real thing. <laughs> Totally. And that's what I find so, uh, you know, awesome about band. I mean, honestly, like a band like Jimmy World, same thing, where it's just like, (laughs) there's like, hey, let's find drama or some interesting story. It's just like, eh, we're just, we're just friends and we play music together. It's like, that's it. There's no angle. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, same. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. You're just like, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, skateboarding, I can talk to you about that for an hour, but you know, about myself, like, no, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so, I mean, you as a, as a father, I mean, you're a father to, uh, three, uh, three, correct? Or four boys. Oh gosh. Three. Three. That's what, okay. I just added one in there for no reason. That that scared me. I know. I I apologize. I didn't mean (laughs) to freak you out there. Uh, journeying along in regards to, um, 
you know, the fact that you had to, in some way, shape or form, rebel against your parents as far as like figuring out how to, you know, be your own person with your own likes and interests and stuff like that. And it probably didn't make sense to them. Uh, you know, how do you kind of deal with uh, rebellion and the things that they're getting into that you're just like, wow, I I don't understand a lot of this, Uh, you know, whether it's watching, you know, Minecraft videos for hours or whatever the case may be. How are you, I guess, kind of navigating that, knowing that you're still obviously in the middle of it? Yeah, that no, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I, f- I actually feel pretty blessed to have had my parents deal with my stuff the way they did with just kind of like the, like, oh, that's weird. I think that's lame or that's cool or whatever. But, you know, that's your thing and you do it. You do your thing. You know, as long as obviously like I wasn't doing anything to like harm other people or anything like that. So, you know, I think it would have been a different thing had that been the case. But um, so I think I I try and approach it from that same kind of angle, you know, um, where I'll be like, I'll be honest with them about what my opinion is. But at the in the end of the day, it's like, you know, you're your own person and and you do your thing. And if if that's what what you want to do, then, you know, cool. Right. (laughs) Right. It's like, I mean, like a prime example of that is, yep. uh, I came home with my ears pierced one day and my mom literally fell on the floor laughing, like just <laughs> roll dying, <laughs> laughing at me. Cause she thought it was the silliest thing ever. Sure. But she was like, you look like a moron, but you know what, whatever. <laughs> like if that's what you're doing, then sure. Right. Did you, how, how'd they deal with your uh, tattoos as you started to get those? I think same thing, you know? I mean, I was a little <laughs> older too at that time. but yeah, Right, it was, yeah. It was like, huh, that's weird, but okay. Right. Are you sure, are you, sure you thought about that? All right. <laughs> totally. It's like, oh, oh, you're going to get your whole arm? Is that what you're doing, Tepe? <laughs> no. I think pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love that where it's like the idea of parents roasting their kids on, and then I'm sure you were just like, whatever, you don't know anything, mom. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I was like, whatever, mom, I look cool. Yeah. You, have you not looked at me? Like, this is really cool. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, the idea that, I mean, since Thrice is obviously, you know, very much back in your life, but you guys are doing it in a much more manageable way. And there's obviously a path forward for bands to be able to do that kind of in general. Um, I, I, I know that it's obviously refreshing for you guys to be able to, you know, whatever, go for two, three weeks and then, you know, come home and be able to exist as a whole human, as opposed to just kind of a part of a human. Uh, I'm going to guess like, as you were, ending your very extensive touring when the band was, you know, on the road for 250 days out of the year, did you feel like you were just like sort of half of a person, so to speak, or were you, um, kind of able to balance the two? Um, I think, I think we slowed down at the right time. Uh, you know, we were definitely touring like that for a number of years, but, it was also when we were younger and I think it was when we could, we had the like, uh, mental and physical, I guess, uh, capacity and energy to handle that. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't at this point. Um, yeah. And then obviously, you know, once we started having kids and all that, uh, it, it just naturally kind of slowed, started ramping down. And then, uh, especially after taking the hiatus, we were able to take, a couple steps back and you know when we came back into it we were able to be like okay we're gonna limit the touring uh you know we're gonna do you know a b c and d to try and you know be able to live normal lives outside of the band and blah blah, blah. so yeah did you feel like that also helped the creative input in regards to the fact that you could all bring either whether it was the fact that you had time to be able to sit at home and write riffs or, you know, drum patterns or whatever it is. Do you feel like that was also helpful as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it's important to have space from, from anything really. Um, you know, it just gives you the mental capacity to just, uh, to create, I think, you know, you need some space to be able to do that. 
There you have it. That was Tepe. And like I said, one step closer to collecting the entire band of thrice on the podcast. Next week, I will actually be in Japan, but this podcast does not stop publishing, baby. So I have an exciting episode planned with the organizers of LDB Fest in Louisville, Kentucky. Talk about a stacked lineup. They got Knocked Loose, Terra, Terra, Terror, Karma. I could go on, but you can easily find a link in the show notes of this particular episode and you will be able to find it. I have a discussion with four people. We have the originators of LDB Fest, Ryan and Alex, and then Colin and Julia, who started helping out the fest probably about two or so years ago. And we get a nice perspective of what it's like to run a music festival and what makes Louisville, Kentucky special. So that's what I got next week. A four-headed monster (laughs) for this particular episode. So it'll be a fun one because uh, I cannot wait to go out there and hang out in Louisville, eat some good vegan food, and watch some rad bands. So until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.